praise him. Hallelujah. Even as our apostle now comes to the pulpit, I welcome apostle Dr. Suzanne Howard. Come on and praise him in advance for the word that's about to come forth to transform our minds, to transform our thinking, to transform our way of thinking, our way of living. Come on and praise him. language going on right now. How do y'all let that die if it was authentic? Come on. Come on, don't let the rock cry out. Come on. I'm not pushing you to praise, but there's still something left here. today, huh? Y'all didn't come in here to play? You just was seeing if the people could keep up with y'all today, huh? Wonderful as always. Bless God for y'all ministry. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for audio, visual. Come on, keep clapping. Security and ushers and teachers. Amen. You and me, me and you. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. He's a good, good God. I see um, Prophet Thomasina going to get her Christmas choir no matter how she got to form it. I said, she done turned the congregation into her Christmas choir. Y'all don't have no excuse now not showing up for sign up. We done all heard you. Hallelujah. You can take your seats. I use the, um, the lectern as my 3D camera in here. And I saw Brother Marcus and Tower. I said, they about to light that whole row up right there. They was gone. And it was nothing but the Holy Spirit. Because when he was throwing hands, she was throwing them behind. When she threw forward, he threw his hands behind. I said, they got that aisle tore up. And look who they next to. Perfect. <laughs> God bless y'all. How you doing today? Yeah. Has the Lord been good to you? Yes. Mm -hmm. Have you been good to the Lord? Yes. Amen. Now, who was that over there with the red? Who's next to you, Prudence? Hi. God bless you. Is that pink, I think? Okay, in the here it looked. It looked like Ebony when she was praising. I said, Ebony about to take off. That's I like to see that. To me, that's how praise and worship's supposed to be. We're not supposed to sit here and be entertained and sung to and sung over. We're supposed to be just like that. We're praising worship. It has to say, I got to get a little louder. I got to be a little bolder. Because these people are coming forward to bless their king and their God. Well, welcome. Good to see you today. Hello to the online streamers. Looking at y'all beautiful faces. Now that y'all all are part of the choir. If the choir is this big, we definitely need a bigger building. Amen. Did I hear a yes over here? Yes. <laughs> Bless God. All right. Before we jump in, does anybody want to talk about last week? How y'all doing? Because y'all are entering into your session today with me. Today I have the scalpel out. And we have the Holy Spirit, who is the anesthesia. And we're, <laughs> we're going to do this work that he's given for us to do. Amen. Anyone have a takeaway? Anything they want to share before I jump in? Because it's been deep. Come on, Joel and Pastor Kareem. Fixing things without God. Yes. Awesome. I know he did. Amen. And it sounds like you're working that scripture. Be anxious for nothing. You know, leaning on the Lord, trusting in the Lord with all thy heart. He has all the answers. 
and we form, what's the word? What's the, the two words that we were dealing with last week that we form? Hmm? Coping mechanisms, yep. We form these coping mechanisms when we start leaning to our own understanding. When we start making things that's convenient or um, there's a word that we use in counseling, it's called default. When we all default to a behavior that we know. Instead of letting God, the King of Kings, come in who told us in the scriptures that he created us to be new creatures in him, we have to stop turning to our default behavior. It's not easy to be a Christian. And you can't be one without the Holy Spirit. Nobody wants to live like this without the leading and guiding and the intercession that the Holy Spirit makes on our behalf. It's so much easier to just be full of revenge, spiteful, vindictive, angry, unforgiving, I don't have to carry the weight of anybody because I'm just going to let everybody know how I feel. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he says that we become another man. We become another person in him. And that means we have to follow his precepts that he's laid before us. And if he tells us that we should not be leaning to our own understanding, and yet anytime trouble comes, we automatically fall to our default. Now, mind you, all of us do it. It's automatic. It's, and, and psychology is called learned behavior. We do what we learn, even if we didn't even realize we learned it. Mm-hmm. Prophets, y'all look good in y'all red today. Stand up. Let's, let's acknowledge the prophets in the house. They in the back, they in the front, they on the side. Amen. Looking good in their red, the blood on the prophets. Praise the Lord. We're waiting for the teachers to get theirs. We're going to get the fivefold in order in the house. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Joel. That was good. Pastor Kareem? Um, the quotes you gave, we cannot prevent the birds itself from flying over your head. Yeah. But what you can do is prevent them from building a nest. Mm. And I've noticed that they have built a nest. Yes. Coming out of that place. Come on. And then he says um, how if we repeat the same behaviors over and over again, mm -hmm. how are we saying that we trust God? Mm-hmm. That's right. So Christ is the way of escape. And he quoted the um, Chinese proverb that I lined up with the scripture last week for our online viewers that you can't prevent the birds of sorrow from flying over you, but you can prevent them from making a nest. They don't have to be a comp, become a part of your psyche. It, that, you know, just think of what we've been through in life. Just think about it for a minute. Think of like the worst thing that has happened to you in your life doesn't matter what age it was just think of the worst thing now think of that worst thing without Christ in your life uh-huh yeah definitely we, we, would, we would not be right here I, I was right on the brink I mean I was right on that that crossroad ready to make a decision that was going to affect the rest of my life if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side. That's why that's one of my favorite scriptures because I lived that, I walked that. He saved me with that. It, it wasn't me that was on my side. I wanted to do what I thought was right. I wanted to do to my default. The one thing that I was always confident in that I could do was fight. So if anything that I couldn't get understanding, I fought. If I felt like you was doing something to me, I fought you. I didn't care if you could beat me up. Honestly, I got beat up. But beating up didn't bother me. It showed me how you moved. And when I come back next time, and I will, I know how you move now. Oh, it was horrible. If it had not been for the Lord, I'd probably be dead. Or doing a bid for murder. Insane in the membrane. Hallelujah. Gone. That's why when people think I'm so humble in church or think my ways are so humble, they're like, you, you're a little punk sometime. I'd be like, God, thank you, Jesus. Jesus made me a punk. Let me write that book because psycho. I didn't care. I would fight your mother. I'm telling the God honest truth, y'all. I, I didn't care. There was no respecter of person. You messing with me, you messing with forces of evil. I'm coming and I'm coming with a host of demons. 
because they loved traveling with me because they knew it was going to be drama it was going to be some problem somewhere and if somebody came to me and they were being picked on by somebody else I took on a fight because I needed a fight so humility to me is an honor Ooh, Jesus I bless your name I bless your name Jesus that it feels good to submit myself to know that if it wasn't for you that was on my side where would I be my son my granddaughter think about what's tied up to us y'all and we want to keep being crazy saying Jesus gonna understand he gonna understand Jesus loves prison ministry He has no problem visiting the insane asylums. Hey. I choose to be here. Anybody else? Life in church ain't a punishment for me. Someone said the other day, I was working with a young lady, and she said the other day, um, carrying the burdens of the world. And I was letting her speak and have her words, and I said, Baby, you're not carrying the burdens of the world. You're carrying the burdens of your choices. Y'all can start writing right now. It's almost like Elisha, right? There's no one else. It's only me. You feel like that because that's a choice you're making to think like that. We ain't carrying nothing compared to what we could be carrying. We ended on last week in a very touchy area. I had people like casually coming up to me in conversation, like we were working on something. And it was like, yeah, my mother, da, 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 da. I'm like, okay, here goes a moment. Let me get back into my role. Then I'm over in somewhere else, so I'll be texting them about a work thing, and they'll come in and say, uh, you know, yeah, that thing you said about mothers the other day, it made me realize why some of my patterns of behavior the way they are. I'm like, okay, this is how it's gonna be for a little while because we're doing work. And I do want to say this, that if this is, I, I can't give you over this pulpit in this amount of time without triggering people and manifesting demonic entities like I could if we were on our own. If you feel this is really, really, like it could, it could like, you know, this could be a part of my life. Yeah, sure, that's, it's, it's part of all of our lives. We're all living in our fallen nature. But if you feel that what's being taught is a big part of who you are, you've got to get into some counseling. You've got to get into some counseling. God set it up for us to get help. We are the initiator of the soul detox center. And why not let it start in the pews to get our healing so that we can start helping the world to heal? That's what we're called to. We're not called to just go into all nations and preach and baptize and preaching and even what we call it. We think preaching got a little charismatic on it. I've literally read these definitions on the internet by elite elect. Preaching is when you hoop or you got a little charismata and teaching is when you just expound on it. Preaching means to proclaim the gospel. Period. Doesn't have an energy on it. Doesn't have anything on it. That's what God has given you to deliver it with. And thank God, because sometimes it would be pretty boring if we didn't have the charismatic, right? right. It makes it more intriguing and it, it, it pulls your, your five senses in, right? It, it gets your attention. So we're grateful to it. But we can't begin to put that stuff in the box. When we do that, we end up in trouble. So last week we were talking about mama. Ooh, Jesus. That's so tough. And we were talking about, anybody remember? Attachment. That's where I wanted to start with the question. How many learned their attachment styles last week? That's it? Four or five? Why y'all can't figure that out? Okay, somebody whose hand didn't go up, tell me why you can't figure it out. Or ask your neighbor to speak for you. Show them your notes because you, why can't you figure out your attachment style? What happened? Is there a ram in the bush 
Thank you, Frederica. Ooh. Mm. Dr. Frederica went deep on us in here today. We don't want to feel the detachment of the attachment style. Anybody agree with her? Mm-hmm. Is there another group? Karen, thank you. Okay, very good. Thank you. I like that too. So that would tell me how to slow down and go over something or go on, book a discovery session free and just deal with that attachment style and we'll help you go through that. Because if you can figure out your attachment style, you can pretty much see how you show up in all relationships, even on the job. Because it can't be the last 99 jobs. I mean, there's a thing we learned in math, right? There's a common denominator. denominator. The 99 jobs are different. There's only one thing the same, point to yourself, is me. So there's something in me that is showing up that is stealing from my life. We, we say that this, this ghost manifestation of the devil steal, kills, and destroy. I think he did his best work in the beginning. And I think what we're dealing with now is the springing forth of what he did in the garden. I don't really believe that he's as busy as we think he is doing all the damage that we give him credit for. Right, it's us. He set the tone. Now we started out talking about dreams, right? And then we started out talking about deflection, right? I think I have it in my, in my phone and not in here. But there's a scripture in the Bible in Genesis where God approaches Adam on what Adam and Eve did in the garden. Somebody get it. Is it Genesis 4? Somewhere around there? Genesis 3? Somebody get that for me. I want to show you that I'm still in the book. And I'm not just bringing, thank you, sir. And I'm not just bringing a psycho babble in here. If we can learn the book from a scientific and psychological view, we can understand better how human nature disrupts the plan of God. Who has it for me? Is it around 12 or something? You have it? Is it uh, Genesis 3.11? Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree? Keep going. Fruit I commanded you not to eat. Okay, go back. Go back to where Adam deflected. Oh, it was right after that. Oh, but after. Thank you, sir. It was 12. It was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit. Okay, wait a minute. 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 I got a problem here. Adam took no responsibility for what happened. He blamed two people. Who'd he blame? And who else? Where'd he blame God at? Oh! So the woman you gave me, right? So he's right there deflecting on God. God, I didn't even pick her. I just saw her and said, what I want? You picked this woman from me. So the woman you gave me is a problem for me. So he right away is pointing this way at her. And then God gave him another sentence. What did he say after that? He gave him another chance. He asked the woman. So, so God now is going to the woman. Said, what have you done? What have you done? And? The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. We got a little bit more of an of a admittance here. She's admitting she did it. She just said the serpent caused me to do it. But Adam, straight up, busted on the scene of the crime. That's the woman you gave me. It's your fault, God, because you gave me her. And then he goes and, and pushes a little further. It's her. It's just all her. All women. Just, it's just her. We were deflecting right from the beginning. This is the fallen nature that we... Listen to this. We adapted pathologically. We have a pathology of deflection from our first. 
So the only way to change your nature is to change the creature that you are. Because our original nature, the fallen nature I'm talking about, is fallen. And God doesn't want things turned over. He wants things right side up. Right from the beginning, they're busted on the scene. God already know what happened. I remember in our house, my mother, that top steer, the one right before the landing, squeaked. And we knew when she was coming. She done told us and told us and told us, don't eat from that tree. Don't make no more noise up here. If you're louder than me, and I got to tell you one more time, I'm coming. And we just keep going and just keep going. And then we hear a squeak and everybody's like, ah! We in the closet, we under beds, we on a, the bedroom balcony porch, we on the tip of the roof that's over the porch, out the window, we flew. She already knew where we was hiding. We were kids, we had the same hideout every time she came. So she, she mastered it. She got a mop for under the bed. And if you was under the bed, the mop, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm allergic to dust, so you know I ain't going to the bed. The closet, she had the end of the broom. And the roof outside the window on the porch, she had the twitch. And you'll hear it in the ear. Ow! Ow! And we did the same thing over and over as if she did not know where we were going to hide in her house. Yeah, in it. Same thing we did to God. God already knew how it went down. You think he just showed up at a certain hour of visitation? There was relationship. And yet when he shows up to the responsible party, the head over woman, he blames. After he blamed, he blamed God first. Sounds like what a lot of people do in this generation. Everything's blamed on God. I was telling one of my spiritual daughters the other day, I said, I'm praying for y'all who are single and who want a husband and you want a man of God. Because today's man, quiet, you don't even know what I'm saying. Today, don't laugh, y'all be quiet. Today's man, has an issue submitting to authority. That's who should be commenting to men. Has an issue submitting to authority. So when you mention church, he starts deflecting. Oh, your creepy pastor. Them fake Christians. He starts deflecting. Hasn't visited, hasn't been near, but wants to attack people he hasn't even met based on a whole category of, of stereotypes that he's assumed the whole church is acting like. When no one says all men are like this, and if we do, that's a, a um, let me get it, catastrophic mindset. The, the, the most toxic thinking, there's 13 of the most toxic thinking. This is why I'm telling y'all, before y'all get married, y'all need to go to therapy. Before you marry, and you need to find out if they have any of the 13 toxic thinking. I'll give you the two, the worst ones that always show up, an assumer. An assumer. Assuming is toxic. And then if you have one that makes a catastrophe out of everything. Everything's a major event. Everything's a catastrophe. Adam and Eve caused the catastrophe with their behavior. He never apologized to God. He covered himself in his own covering, man, and then decided to deflect on God. You gave me her. And then it was her that did it. From the beginning, we've had these problems. So it's, it's, even though we're going to deal with mama for a little bit today, it didn't just start with mama. Please understand, it's our human nature. Y'all with me? Do y'all have the list of the eight? Okay. You have it? Good. You missed one? I'm going to go over them now. So there are eight common behaviors from mama. Now, we, we dealt with Adam. Now we're going to deal with mama, okay? Because 
even in marriage counseling or premarital counseling, oftentimes we're, as pastors, we're not dealing with the couple sitting in front of us. We're dealing with their parents. Because what they're showing up as in their relationships is what they either experience from the male, female in the house or what they took away, making it their own understanding, their own perception of what it is to operate in a male, female relationship, in a relationship dynamic. So it's these eight common maternal effects that are not good for us. Eight toxic maternal, that means mama, behaviors. And I share this that in hopes that as you work it out to get understanding, that you can eliminate you from passing it on to the next generation in your family. I, I sometimes feel like God gave us grandkids to kind of make it up. And the better we are to the grandkids is the worse we was as mamas and daddies. He kind of gave us this thing to make it up. And the, the, the parents hate it. Why are you treating my kids so good? You wasn't like that with me. Man, we're trying to make it up. Sorry. Right. So these descriptions are a way for you to organize your own thoughts about your childhood. As you consider what you found, consider what was personally hardest and the most hurtful to you growing up. This is gonna help you who hasn't had a chance to figure it out or like Frederica said, we, we choose to be in denial. And I understand that. Because once you understand how she showed up to you, you will understand how you attach to things and relationships and people and jobs nowadays. Okay? The first one out of the eight is the dismissive mother. She dismissed you. You felt ignored in literal ways. One testimony from a woman in her 40s said, the pattern has always been the same with her. Listen, y'all. My mother asks, what do I want to do? And then proceeds to tell me how the plan's going to go. So now this extends to every realm of my life. When I was a kid, she'd ask if I was hungry. And if I said I wasn't, she'd pile the food on the plate and then get angry and give me consequences if I didn't eat all the food. Children of dismissive mothers describes themselves as feeling invisible, unseen and unheard. When I say unseen and unheard, it means that there was no validation of your feelings. Maybe you cried and they told you, shut up. I think all of us probably had that, that mama somewhere, right? Yeah. Hopefully all you got was a shut up. You didn't get a pop and a shut up. Or they begin to call you names. Shut up and stop being a crybaby. That's the dismissive mother. This is the one that wouldn't let you feel what you were feeling in the moment so that they can tell you, okay, I see that your feelings are hurt. What about this hurt your feelings? Let's talk about it. Once you calm down. But a lot of us cried and got whippings for crying. So how do you think you show up in relationships today if when you were little you got a whipping for crying? You got a whipping from showing an emotion that is normal. He said stoic. How do you think you show up in relationships? How empathetic and compassionate and caring are you authentically? Not when you're trying to get that man or woman. Authentically. What do you feel like when your partner starts to cry? Huh? Stop being a crybaby. Grow up. You ain't a man. Because you were told crying was for crybabies, and it definitely wasn't for males. Period. 
So you were dismissed in the earliest stages of your life in how to process feelings. Instead of being taught what to do with those feelings, you were called names because you had those feelings. Do y'all see the sociopathic experience beginning? Some of y'all need to say, thank God I ain't a sociopath. I mean, think about it. We could make a joke about it, but think about it. Our appearance, present or not, are our Adam and Eve. That's our first male and female experience. That's why some men can literally be termed misogynists because they hate women. And they don't hate women for what women have done. They hate women for what mama has done. So we call ourselves playboys and we have a lot of women because I love women. I can't get enough of women. I just, mm, I just want all the women I could get. Psychologically, it's been proven that when you have a lot of women, it's because you hate women, not because you love them. It's an abuse. But you tell a playboy that. I'm smooth. I can't help myself. I got a lot of women. You got a lot of problems. This is for all of us. Don't look at your neighbor. This message ain't for your neighbor. This message is for you. Feeling invisible, unseen, unheard. Dismissive mothers often single out their child, marginalize their child. Thoughts and feelings, they marginalize it. They shrink it down to nothing. Their sons and daughters' thoughts and feelings, by not signing them any importance in their life or not paying any attention to them. I have a, a broken nose, right? <laughs> when I was about, I'm, I'm trying to think how young I was because in those days, you went everywhere by yourself. Do you remember going places by yourself? You go to park by yourself. You go to store by yourself. You live on Palm Street. You walk the Blue Hills by yourself. You didn't need nobody with you. Nobody knew that creepers were driving up down the street ready to kidnap you. Like That just wasn't the thing. It was happening, but it wasn't the thing. We didn't know it was the ice cream man until years later through DNA, we found out that the ice cream man was literally the pedophile in the neighborhood. And kids were missing because the ice cream man would come, check out the kids, check out what parents weren't around, giving them the ice cream, mark them to come back and kidnap them. Mm-hmm, because of vacant parents. Took them almost 30 years to figure out who was able to get kids underneath the nose of the parents and no one noticed it. It was the nice one, the one giving your kids stuff, the ones who lets their kids sit on their lap. This is big. A dismissive mother always makes you feel like you're a bother. I didn't say that you were her bother, but you felt like you were a bother. My, my mother, what? Be like, um, I just want to say hi, I'm home from school. Good, go in the room and get the dishes done. Like, ah, she got a bad life. And she did. And most mothers will work out their bad life through their children. We're gonna talk about that mother too. Her bad relationships with men, she'll work them out through her children. I was about eight or 10 years old and I rode my bike to Bloomfield to my older sisters. I have sisters like 30 years older than me. So I'm about eight or 10, I ride my bike to her house and she had a great day. You ever seen them dogs? It was bigger than me. And the most horrible part of this dog was it had a monthly cycle. So I'm over the house and this dog on a monthly cycle that's bigger than me keeps chasing me around. Finally, I don't know what I did, but the dog decided to just lunge after me. So I'm running. Dun, 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 I'm running. And I decide to look back to see how close the dog was. And when I turned back, I ran right into a pole. Boom! Knocked me coat out. You ever see them cartoons? It's a real thing. 
you literally see somebody who was knocked out before made them cartoon. It's a whole ring with little floating things around. It's crazy. Okay, I got up, called my mother. I'm in Bloomfield. Called my mother. She said, you always getting yourself into something. Get your butt home now. Well, how am I going to get there? I got black eyes. My nose is bleeding. You got over there on your bike? Get back home on your bike. I have to ride from Bloomfield, Auntie Jeannie house, back to Palm Street where we lived with eyes I can't even see out. And y'all wonder why I'm so tough now? I can't even see out my eyes. My nose is bleeding. I'm wiping it while I'm trying to ride my 10-speed bike, and I make it home. She ain't even a door looking for me. She, was, she looked like this child right here. If you make it to 30, I'll be surprised. I just did everything. I jumped off houses. I was just always into stuff. But it was looking for attention. I didn't know it, of course, then. Like these tattoos y'all got all over y'all. It's attention seeking. See me. I'm invisible. Look at my tattoos. Look at my piercing. I'm invisible. I'm not seen. I've been dismissed. And I'm going to do everything for you to notice me. And we start writing on ourselves. And we start writing on our face. That's how dismissed we feel. There's a psychology to tattoos. We think we like them because they're art. You're drawn to the art because you feel invisible. To me, I'm messing up good skin. I went to a dermatologist, okay? I had to pay a lot of money to keep my skin together. I had sensitive skin. It cost me money to keep it clean from acne and the scars. And I don't need artwork on my face. My skin is my artwork for me. For me. Are y'all with me? Totally dismissed. No sympathy, no empathy to get upstairs to the big bullies and get ranked for coming home looking like whatever I must have looked like by then. Within two days, I had two full black eyes. Nose, I never went and got my nose fixed. So I had migraines and sinus problems and headaches and ear problems and throat problems, all because of this. Y'all know it's all connected, ear, nose, and throat. And on top of all of the physical, couldn't even get the attunement to tell me, poor baby, come here, let me help you. How many of y'all have a story close to that? It's what a dismissive mother doesn't give her child that does the most damage. Did you hear that? What they don't give them. We always concentrate on what was done. I was smacked, I was hit, I was put on punishment. Those have their own consequences. But it's what they're not giving their child that affects them emotionally. And emotional wounds last longer than physical wounds. My, my black eyes went away. I was able to learn how to breathe. And when I get a headache, I push my nose up so I can get air up my nose. I even think sometimes today going to get the nose work done just so I could just get fresh air sometime. But that went away. I learned how to live with it. I, my eyes went away. I mean, if you look at me closely, you'll probably see, like, you can still see green underneath. That's how traumatic it was to my physical body. But what do you think happened to my inner person? What did that teach me? See, I don't mind being an example because God has healed me. I put myself as an offering on the altar to try to help y'all connect because if we are thinking I don't want to connect with this message because it hurts too much or I'm starting to get vibrations or anxiety or I see some of y'all faces you literally look like you're ready to bust with tears it's easier to hear someone else's story and make it about them but I want you to be able to connect on a deeper level not so that you could hurt not that you can be mad at mama because that damage is done y'all we're dealing with it now if you come into any program that I do on this we talk about mama for maybe two weeks and I make you go there and get it out. Say the things that you want to pretend your alter ego is saying about her. So you don't feel guilty for pronouncing these type of words on mama. But after that, the rest of the program is about you. Because she's gone. She had 18 years. And she did it. Whatever it is, it's done. It's 18 years. But how old are you now? How many years have you had over 18 to correct the patterns and behaviors and wounds in your life? 
that we don't pay attention to. So we're getting degrees, we're getting relationships, we're getting children, we're, getting, we're doing everything to cover up this wound that I don't even know what to do with. Because because culturally, black Hispanics, we don't go to therapists. That's for Caucasian people. They're weak. We literally said that about them, they're weak. Anything happens to them, they're jumping off buildings when the stock market breaks because they had something to lose. Hello? Yeah. A dismissive mother or parent doesn't give her child, what doesn't give her child is what does the most damage. By ignoring her child's presence, along with her feelings and needs. When you have been raised by a mother that you can put in this margin as dismissive, because remember you had the secure attachment style, now you have the dismissive attachment style, which means if mama was dismissive to you, what do you think you are at least 80% of? And you don't even know it. It's learned behavior. It's like getting up in the morning and having to go to the bathroom. You cannot fight it. It's a learned behavior. It's just put on you. But what happens is her message becomes to you, or his, could be dad, her message comes to you, you're not important to me, and neither is what you feel or think. It's a crushing blow to the developing self, to that identity that's trying to figure the world out and figure themselves out. It's a crushing identity. And it's a subtle form of emotional abuse. I know. We think abuse is what? Blacking somebody's eyes, right? Physically hurting someone. This is an emotional abuse. And this has, leaves more scars than physical abuse. And this does more damage because we were not meant to be alone. So when we're ignored, it goes against our nature that we were born in. When we're not validated that I hurt, that I need you, that I'm afraid, when we grow up, instead of saying to your spouse, I'm afraid, we attack them. Because mama attacked. And mama got attention from everybody. So I'm going to attack so I can get the attention that I want. But I cannot put words to my mouth to say, I'm afraid. I feel scared. I'm, 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 I'm lonely and I don't know how to reach out. All I know is what I watched. Y'all with me? Unfortunately for this child, they will engage their mother in any way they can throughout their entire life without help, which means they will continually take that abuse because at least some attention. Yeah. That's just how my mother is. Then, then, then we, we give them a pass. See, when you come into counseling with me, we don't give mommy and daddy a pass. They don't get a pass. But we have to move on from them by that second visit because you are now the captain of your own ship. And staying in a place of blaming someone else is a what? A deflection. It is now time for you to accept, they screwed me up. Them folks were dang on crazy. Now, am I going to keep becoming them? Or am I going to take the hand that's being extended to me and get help. Can y'all smile for a minute? Cause y'all scaring me. Somebody said, no, can't smile. I get it. Just push it through. Push it through because this isn't, you're not going to stay like this. There's help. There's help. Throughout your life, you will see the behavior of always trying to engage her. Your spouse might even be like, man, get over that. Cut that off. It's damaging for you. And then when she rejects you, it comes back into the house and it's damaging for us. It's just too much. This person doesn't know how to let go of their mother. That's amazing part of even though we take on that fallen nature of deflecting and projecting, we still can't cut off the thing that hurts us the most. Y'all daydreaming again. Put your thoughts in. Don't go there. <laughs> Father, we send the Holy Spirit from chair to chair, row to row, aisle to aisle right now. We pull back the emotional triggers that are happening in some right now. 
We pray for the healing bomb in Gilead that would give them peace in their minds. And peace will now flow through their body, through their neck, their shoulders, arms, through their fingers. Wiggle your fingers. It will flow down through your torso, your back, your legs, and out your toes. From the crown of your head, peace. Out the soles of your feet, peace. In Jesus' name. Journal, write, write something down, even if it's one word, but don't let it take you off into a trigger. A testimony, then I can move to the next one and then we're done for today because I don't even know if we could do another one the way y'all kind of looking right now. They're saying, nope, that's it, we're all done. <laughs> this was what this one woman did to try to keep captive her mother's attention that she never got and later shared her testimony with us she still hasn't gotten it, and mama's gone now. I decided that I'd have to be a star to get my mother's attention. And so I became one at my school. I got every honor in every grade, grade school, junior high, high school. And then I went on to a prestigious college. My mother's response was always the same. She say things like, well, I guess the competition must not have been too great. This is a real story. Breathe. Breathe in your nose, out your mouth. Breathe. You're tightening up. Thank you. Breathe. Come on. Who else is tightening up? Breathe. We're going to do one more. Come on. In your nose, out your mouth. Breathe. Come on, y'all. We can do it. Breathe. Don't lock. Don't do it. Breathe. We're going to be all right. We'll have prayer and we'll close it all off. I began to understand why I was always anxious. Listen for the secure attachment style. I begin to understand why I was always anxious and worrying, especially about failing. Who has the fear of failure? Let's try and connect it. If this dismissive parenting style comes, this is where your fear of failure came. Because you were convinced that any failure in their eyes meant you were a failure, not the things you failed from. So failure to you is not an option. It would almost make you sick or suicidal to even think that I could fail and be all right from it. These behaviors can go on even when the parents Thank you. Even when the parents are gone and deceased, the person does not have to be living for the effect to still be effective in your life because it's a part of you now. Y'all with me? I was always anxious and worrying about failing or disappointing people. Do you tend to people please? Usually we people please. It took me 10 years to get over people pleasing and it still shows up. But I can notice it now. And when I notice it, I'm able to say, no, we don't people please. It's a defense mechanism. You are good enough. Come on, y'all. You are worthy enough. And if they can't see it, pleasing them and doing all these things for them is not going to validate who you are. And I have to talk to myself and turn myself around. Ten years of work, and it still shows up. Because it's a default. And we always have to go against the default, right? You reboot your computer, it goes back to its to its defaults and you have to go into your settings and pick what you want and what you want it to be that's what we do in counseling and coaching and therapy we go into your settings and we change the default because it's not healthy so if you're struggling wondering your attachment style are you worrisome anxious you have a fear of failure and you people please this is your attachment style and this is why it's true enough that many sons and daughters of dismissive mothers become habitual pleasers, always putting their own needs last, in part because they absorbed their mother's words and gestures and don't believe that what they want matters. Ironically, the combination of needing desperately to please and feeling 
that they are invisible to everyone may cause them to be drawn to those both in friendship and romantic relationships who treat them just as their mothers did. Breathe, y'all. If you're staring down at the ground, I want you to pick your head up. Breathe. Lean into it. I got you. And the son and the daughter who was dismissed by their mother may be further damaged by the constant comparison to others, other classmates, other cousins, other siblings. You're always marginalized, never enough. Usually she would even make the, the comparisons verbal. Your cousin outshines you in every way of life. You will even receive differential treatment from your cousins by your own mother. And they can even receive more forgiveness and more infection from mother than you. Her, listen y'all, her unmet needs. What's her problem? What's her problem? Y'all can't even talk. I'm gonna leave him alone. Her needs were not met. Her unmet needs. for validation and approval have become even more poignant through her child. I'm gonna stop at this one. There's a further irony in being the son or daughter of a dismissive mother. These children, who may possibly be adults now, find it hard or impossible to break free of their mothers especially her influence as adults. Without conscious awareness, even though she knows, even though the adult child knows, we know intellectually that the well is dry, this child will keep going back, hoping for the validation she never got in the first place and stays on a merry-go-round to their own detriment. I'm going to stop. Next week, we're going to deal with the controlling mother. We're going to stop. That's the one. Y'all going to have front row VIP seats for that one? No, some moving to the back. The controlling mother. Why is she controlling? Why does she do me like this? The answers are there. That's what I like about when I started falling into studying psychology. I couldn't understand people's behaviors, especially the behaviors of the ones that I thought were blessed or that I thought they, they shouldn't have those problems or they shouldn't be acting like that. And I found out there's a psychology and oftentimes a pathology. And if you love someone who's traumatized by any of these eight that we're gonna be talking about, you're in for a hell of a ride. And if both of you are traumatized and you're trying to make a relationship and a family out of it, I hope you like seesaws. Because that's what it's going to be. And we actually begin to bond by our pain or our trauma. We stay for each other's toxicity and flare-ups. Because you didn't have the normal. The normal is the secure attachment style. You had her drama. So when your relationship seems too nice and peaceful, you're going to start some drama. Because this can't be heaven. I haven't lived in a heaven. Right? Isn't that how we feel sometimes? And God blesses us with a good woman or a good husband. And we can't find any good. Because no one found good in us. The Bible says we produce after our own kind. That's spiritual. The Bible says the people become like their priest. That's spiritual. Science and medicine and any other thing, wherever Dr. Vanessa is, that goes along that area, says that we are the fruit from that tree. They all agree that we are products of what we came from. And we could spend our entire lives in therapy 
changing what was done to us in 13 years of living. But it's worth it. And it does happen. And you can begin to see change immediately, and then you'll see it in interim breaks, six months, a year, another year. Because when you're first doing it and you're pulling it up, like Frederica profoundly stated, this is the stuff nobody wants to deal with. So you have to trust someone to take you where you don't want to go. Imagine being afraid of water, and you've got to trust somebody to take you into the depths of water and bring you back. Or being afraid of heights, and somebody's convinced you we're going to jump out of a plane together. That's what it's like when you start going into the soul and dealing with that pain. So for many people, it's like, let's just leave it where it is because I can function in my dysfunction. So we think. Y'all all right? Stand to your feet. We'll deal with the controlling mom next week. And why we are making it about mom? Because what? That's where it starts. She's responsible for our nurturing. Daddy shows up and he teaches you how to live on your own, how to be responsible. That's why dad is always that authoritative figure. He's the one that says, oh, you keep falling off that bike so you quit? And mommy says, oh, they just gonna quit. They don't need a bike anyway. And daddy says, no, we're gonna learn how to ride that bike. And, and women who have been raised by a mother who dismissed them and never challenged them to try things, how to stand during conflict, she will make boys and not men. There's a difference, and it's a biblical difference. And those men struggle with male authority figures because they've never had a man speak to them with authority. They only had mom who dismissed them. So they'd rather be dismissed than challenged by an authoritative figure. Can somebody just say, it's not my fault? Not my fault. Come on, it's not my fault. Not my fault. Say it, everybody, it's not my fault. It's, not my fault. it's really not. It's and we're not going to deflect it anywhere. We're going to start with us. We, we realize now how it got there. And now we're going to deal with how to get it away. And it can go. And when it does try to show its ugly head and flares up again, you're going to have the power to cast it down, as the Bible said. Every thought, every imagination that comes against the image of Christ Jesus, who he says you are, you are. And who you are still isn't who he says you are. So character flaws and personality issues and anxiety and worry and stress and all that stuff that's against God, we're going to cast it down, and we ain't going to do a magic slot machine. We're going to do the work to be healed believers in Christ Jesus. Father, I thank you now for each and every person in this room, on live stream or in person. I thank you, Father, for the ministering Holy Spirit that is in here today, the awesome paraclete of God. Father, we submit our hearts to you right now. Our souls are submitted to you right now. Minister to the keys like you anointed David to do for Saul. Minister to us, Father, because we're in our Saul moment. We're vexed. We got anxiety. There's fear. And that old psychological enemy is going to show up and try to stop me from getting this change in my life. So I've got to stand still this time so that I may see the salvation of the Lord. We come and we touch an agreement today that God is able to do just what he said he will do. You're not here by accident. You're not sent to me in this ministry because there was nowhere else to go or because so-and-so invited you. You are sent here because your healing begins in the house. I pray for a healing virtue on your minds right now. Healing virtue and a balm on your heart right now. I come against any triggers, hot pressing, anxiety, worry, and stress on this week. I pray that you use the breathing methods on this week and let the Holy Spirit feel you over and over again. Be kind 
to yourself on this week, people of God. Be a, a little extra kinder to yourself this week because you're going to need it. And if you can't be kind to yourself, you don't have a right to expect it from anyone else. We're talking about loving ourselves first, being kinder to ourselves first, being compassionate to ourselves first, forgiving of ourselves first. From the crown of your head to the soles of your feet, I place a spiritual oil upon you now to keep you and to guide you and to lead you and the anointing of God to break every yoke. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 If you got to stretch or move, do it for a little bit. If you want prayer before you leave, come to the altar. If you feel a triggering and it really has you a little concerned, come to the altar. We're going to minister to you. If you want to be a part of the apostles' house, come all the way up to the altar so we can tell who you are and we can welcome you in and help you walk through the steps necessary to be under this tutelage and know the benefits of what it is to be a part of a church, an apostolic church on top of that. I pray for you, and I pray that on this week, that on this week, that God keeps your mind stayed on him. Look at your neighbor. Just do a self-check. Is your neighbor okay? See if they're okay. Come on, look at those eyes. Those eyes can't lie. They tell everything. I know it's COVID, but y'all might need to hug somebody and put some, what you call that stuff? Not anesthesia, but we need that too. Hand sanitizer. You may need to put some sanitizer on you, but somebody might need a hug right now. I love you. God bless you until next week. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to sow a seed, you can come up to the front of the altar or wherever they're standing at, and you can leave a seed for the word on today. I'll be praying for you the entirety of this week. You will fill these prayers because this is the time for change, and it is now. God bless you. I love you. Say it. Say something positive. I love you. Come on, say it to God. If you can't say it to me, just say it. I love you. You've got to release that feeling and that emotion that comes with the words. Come on, I need a minister up here. You got her, Minister Vanessa? Thank you. Thank you, Lord. God bless you.